Good morning. You can keep talking. It's all right. <laughs> kind of feel like then you're in my house. Um, okay. So if you don't have a Bible this morning, which I know we always have the passages up on the screen, and I will, so don't worry about that. But it's kind of fun. This morning we're going to talk through a story. So I wanted to just from the get-go say, if you don't have a Bible and you want one, it's kind of fun because we're going to work through a whole like story passage. It'll be a lot of verses. And it's fun to like write in it. So even if you get this Bible and you don't have a Bible at home and you want to write in it, take it. It's yours. These are free and gifts to you guys. So if you don't have a Bible and you want one this morning, can you raise your hand? There's a bunch of people that are grabbing Bibles, I think. I mean, I'm saying that, but I don't know if they really are. Oh, yeah, there we go. So raise your hand and they'll bring them up, okay? All right. So while they do that, I'll get started. Hi, Village, by the way. I haven't forgotten you. I know you're down there. Good morning. I'm imagining they're saying good morning back to me. So there we go. There we go. Okay. So the question, what is the spirit of Christmas? Uh, you know, when I think about all the stuff, oh, my goodness, that I cram into, and, and I told Troy, I have created my own nightmare of things to do this week. Like, I don't know why I did this to myself. Like, first of all, speaking. And then, you know, I have my kids home, which is great. And so then I want to be with them. Plus, I'm doing so Anyway, I won't even tell you my nightmare because I know you all brought yours this morning. I hope. I hope you're as crazy as I am. But when I think about the spirit of Christmas, aren't we all kind of seeking after that? I mean, how many of you have gotten to Christmas and it's ended and then you kind of go, what was that? What did we just do? Do you know what I mean? And you feel still kind of empty. We've had a lot of those Christmases. And so asking the question, what is the spirit of Christmas? I'm so excited to look at that this morning. So, um, okay, how many of you guys went to Star Wars? Yeah, okay, a lot more in this service. That's fun. Okay, in last service, they were like, what? What is that? Oh, I left the clicker. Can you give me that clicker, babe? Troy, can I, this clicker down there? He's not even listening to me. <gasps> Already heard it. <laughs> oh, he's texting. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> I don't get to do this often. I'm usually there, and he's making fun. Anyway, okay. Um, so, Star Wars. I was going to say Star Trek, and I know it's different. So, for those of you that get offended by that, I'm so sorry. I don't mean that. But Star Wars. Okay. So that was 1977 when George Lucas. I do know that much because um, I was alive then, yeah, um, he came up with this idea that he would start these movies. And if you remember, maybe some of you don't know, he actually did movies um, four, five, and six first. Remember that? So that was kind of my, that's what I watched. I watched those three. And then he came out with one, two, and three. Remember that? And those were the prequel. And so he kind of gave the backstory to how Star Wars started. Those three, I actually, sorry for those of you that are so dedicated to that, I don't even remember watching those. So I kind of cheated. I just stuck with the middle ones. And then we watched, actually, the sixth one so that I could remember what I watched way back in the 80s, which is a long time ago. And then they came out with the one um, that we just saw this weekend. And what I love about using this illustration about what we're going to talk about this morning is that a lot of times we turn to Luke 2. That's where it talks about Jesus being born. That's the story that some of us, you know, even at this point, they read it and you go, yada, 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 I know the story, right? 
So I hate to say that. I don't mean that any disrespect. But sometimes when it's read, we just, okay, this is the story. This is what we read every Christmas. But there is a Luke 1 that comes before that. And so we're going to start there this morning. Oh, sorry. So we're going to, we're starting in the event. Then we're going to look at the prequel, and then we'll talk about what the sequel is, okay? So in Luke 1, Luke is actually a doctor, and he writes in here, he's writing to someone, um, a friend of his, and he's saying, what I'm about to write, I've asked a lot of people a lot of questions. I have eyewitnesses. I've, I can say that what you're reading, you can be certain about the things that you're being taught. I thought that was important to point out. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to Okay, wait, can I just back up a second? I keep forgetting that I already said this in the first service, and so I'm forgetting to say it here. So I'm going to back up for a second. When we go through this passage, if you have the White Bibles, it's in pa- on page 715, if you didn't catch that yet, Luke 1. Um, I'm going to invite you in to do an inductive Bible study. An inductive Bible study is where you read a passage, and you highlight or maybe you underline things that you wonder about. You know, where you read it and you say, I wonder why they put that in there. Or, wow, that, that really hit me. And I love inductive Bible study because you reread the same passage over and over so that you see new things. New things are revealed to you. So this morning, I'm inviting you into my living room. And we're all going to sit around with our cup of coffee because I know most of you have one. And we're going to just talk about this passage, Luke 1, okay? So I'm inviting you into it. So we're going to do a lot of reading through the passage. And I'm going to point out to you the things that jumped out to me. Because I feel like God put that on my heart to share this morning. So Luke 1, 1 through 4, it says so that you know, it's, it's, you can be certain about what I've written. So let's see what the next verse says. So we're in verse 5, if you're following along in your Bible. It says, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of somebody, and his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Okay, so I stopped there because I thought, okay, this is a priest. This is Zechariah. He's a priest of a whole line of priests. And his wife was also a descendant of someone important, Aaron. And so when I read that, I thought, Okay, wait a minute. I want you guys to understand why was it important that he's talking about a priest? Why did he include Zechariah in the very beginning of the story about Jesus coming? So what we have to do is go to the prequel, right? We have to back up. We're going to go backwards. So when you back up before Luke, which is in the New Testament, one of the first Bibles and I mean, books in the New Testament, and he's talking about Jesus coming. We're going to back up. Well, if you back up just, just a little bit, there's 400 years of silence. Well, now that's important because if, if God was silent, and here's a priest who's been doing all these things, that's important. But then we should probably back up a little bit more. So let's back up a little bit more. And we, 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 if we read in this whole Old Testament back here, this whole part of the Bible, it's a whole story about the Israelites. Who are the Israelites? They were God's chosen people. And God designed a system for him to be connected to those people who he loved. But let's back up even just a little bit more, and we'll go all the way back to creation, okay? So I want to take you to creation, and I want to jump to Genesis 1.26. Now, 
Genesis 1 is, is, we all know it, it's the creation of the world, right? So God created, God created, God created. You keep rereading that. It's, it's all the way through the very beginning of that book. It's the first book in our Bible. But then we get to Genesis 1.26 and it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. That's different. That's different than what he said. He kept saying, God created, God created, God created. All of a sudden, he says, let us make mankind in our image. Isn't that interesting? So I underlined that. And I thought, oh, wait a minute. So I had heard before that someone said, when it says, let us make mankind, he's actually talking about the Trinity. God the Father... God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I think that's interesting. Why didn't he just say, and then God created man? Why? Why didn't he just say that? Because I think he's so delighted in the creation of man. Because they were going to be made in the likeness of him. This was the only creation that was made in the likeness of him. Isn't that interesting? We are special. You are special. So when he created us, it was like a, a collection of these three came together and said, let's make something that's going to be amazing. Have you ever watched those um, documentaries about like the fish in the ocean that are crazy beautiful? And some of them glow and they don't even come to the surface. You only see them if, if you dive deep. Or, or some of the birds or the butterflies when I think of that, I think, wow, he did a pretty amazing job at creation, right? And, and, and this is a fallen world. Now he's creating man and he's saying, this is different. Not that God wasn't all present. Not that the Trinity wasn't present. But he wanted to make sure that we knew this was something special. I was reading a commentary on this. And Matthew, um, excuse me, Matthew Henry says it this way, and I love it. It says, Flesh and spirit, heaven and earth, must be put together in him, in man. And he must be allied to both worlds. And therefore, God himself not only undertakes to make him, but is pleased so to express himself, as if he called a council to consider of the making of man, us. Let us make man, the three persons of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, consult about it, concur in it, and because man, when he was made, was to be dedicated and devoted to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What he's saying here is that he created us in his likeness. Do you want to know why? For connectedness, to be connected to him. It even says in Genesis that God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve and talked with them. Can you imagine what that was like? The creator of the universe was walking and talking with the creation he made. Man, that's you and I. So now if we fast forward a little bit, now we're going to kind of start running toward the event. And we know that, that sin happened, that Adam fell and Eve fell. And then sin happened and we were separated from that. But did God say, oh, they screwed up, forget it. I don't want to be in relationship with anymore. They're, they're, they're total losers. I want nothing to do with them. No. He chased after us. It's like a love story. So he chases after us, and he creates 
um, a system. So there's the Israelites, they're his chosen people, and he creates the system so that he can be reconnected with this creation he made. So he has priests who start to um, tell people about the law. Why is the law there? Many of us think, oh, the laws are all the rules because God just wanted to be hardcore and he didn't want us to have any fun. And that was why the law came. But the law wasn't for that reason. And even if you read back in some of the commentaries and books about what it was like then, they loved the law. They learned the law. They would learn it word for word because it was like honey to them. You know why? It reconnected them to that creator, to that God who loved them. So he establishes this way of, so here we are in this section of the Bible where the Israelites, you know, fail and fall. And there's such a reminder that we are so human and fallen. But then it's also such a reminder that God desires to be connected to us. He loves us. He desires that connection. Okay, well, I'm way, way ahead of my, my, my notes. Hold on one second. Sorry. I don't want to miss anything. Oh, yeah, okay, so there's the law and the, and the priests, and they do sacrifices so that we can be reconnected as man and woman to God. But also during that time were prophets. And these prophets were God's way of speaking to his people. And so the prophets would come and speak of, of what God, the Holy Spirit, had told them. So then they would began to prophesy about a Messiah, so as you can see, this is not all separate stories in the Old Testament. This is God weaving with his Holy Spirit and his Son and him all the way through. Why? Why? Why did he do that? It wasn't because he didn't like us. It was because he loved his creation so much he desired that reconnection with them. When I think about the way that they work, the Trinity, you know, it's so hard to explain that to people because I don't fully understand it. But the word that always comes to my mind is like a dance. You ever seen like a really good dance? Like you watch two people dance and it's like one. It's just beautiful. I can remember my mom dancing with her dad at a couple of weddings. And I just remember them just swirling around the floor as if her feet weren't touching the ground. That's how I see the Trinity, kind of this beautiful dance, because I, I see that whole story kind of being a beautiful dance, right? Well, one of the prophets says, way back, this is in Isaiah, Isaiah 9, 6, it says, he starts to talk about this Messiah that's coming. And there's hundreds of prophecies, by the way, that is a very cool study to see how many prophecies there were about the Messiah coming. But this is one of them. Let's look at it. It's Isaiah 9, 6. It says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. If you notice, Wonderful Counselor is who? The Holy Spirit. Mighty God, God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace is the son. How cool is that? He's already talking about, you guys. This is like a building of what's to come, what we're about to look at this morning. I just love that. And it's not because, it's not because we're a bunch of screw-ups. It's because he loves us so much. I want to read you something that Ann Voskamp wrote. It said, God can't stay away from us. This is so comforting. This is the love story that has been coming for you since the beginning, since creation. 
The God who walked with us in the garden in the cool of the evening before the fall shattered our closeness. With him is the God who came after his people in the pillar of the cloud and fire because he couldn't bear to let his people wander alone. Isn't that cool? So he didn't like the Israelites to be alone. He created a way to be connected with them. He is the God who wildly pitched his tent with the Holy of Holies so somehow in all his holy glory he could get close enough again to live amid his people. Isn't that beautiful? This is still in the Old Testament. This is still the broken relationship with God. He is the God who is so for us, the God who so likes us, the God who is so for us that he is the God who chooses to be with us. How about if we jump now into Luke, okay? So if you want to turn to Luke in your Bible or even just follow along with me on the slides, that's fine with me. So here we are in Luke 1, 5, okay? And it says, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest. We read this already, right? So now the priest, Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of that guy, and his wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them are righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Okay, so first, I highlighted Zechariah and Elizabeth. Now we know who he is and what he did. What did a priest do? The priest went on behalf of the people, they would make their sacrifices, he would go and pray on behalf of the people. And that was their connection to God. That's how they reconnected with him. That's how they made things right, at least for a little time. And then they would do it all over again the next day. So here's Zechariah, and he goes to pray um, for the people. The other thing I noticed about this is that it says they were both, they were childless, and they were both very old. So I thought of a couple in our church who I think is very old, but I'll leave them. I won't say who you are because <laughs> I don't want anybody to be offended. But think of someone very old. Like I think of someone, like if your great-grandparents are still alive, that's what I think of very old. So some of you are thinking, oh my gosh, I'm very old. Maybe think of someone older than you. But not only that, they were childless. That's a big deal. They hadn't had kids. They, they had probably already resigned themselves to, okay, we're not going to have kids and that's okay. This just isn't what God has planned for me. Did they still pray for it? I think they did. We'll see that in the next few verses. But they hadn't had kids yet. So this was a big deal. So once when Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as priest before God and he was chosen by Lot, just happened to be chosen, which you know, you realize, okay, God probably did that on purpose. According to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord, burn incense, and when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. Okay, you guys, you have to remember the 400 years. You have to remember the prequel. Remember? We talked about the 400 years of silence. All of a sudden, Zechariah is standing at the altar, and this angel appears and starts talking to him. You would freak out, right? I mean, we'd freak out even if an angel showed up today, right? But now this is silence, you guys. We have to remember all the stuff that was before this. 
and he's standing there, and here's an angel. It's like, oh, what are you doing here? You know, I would think it would freak him out. Not only had there been silence, but now he decides to speak. Well, if we even backed up further, the Israelites had all these prophecies about this Messiah coming. They knew the Messiah was coming someday, but they don't know when. It's like us in the return of Christ. We don't know when he will come back. I live as if he won't in my lifetime because my parents lived that way and because their parents lived that way. So think about Zechariah. He hopes the Messiah will come during his time of life, but maybe not. So now this angel shows up. But when the angel said to him, don't be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. What? And you are to call him John, which is not a name in his family. It's weird. That's a whole story behind that we won't get into. You'll have to dig yourself, but it's very cool. And he will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. I want you to remember that. That line out of this whole story we'll read is what actually captured my attention. I had to look into that. I just thought, wait, wait a minute. Okay, in the Old Testament, the Spirit would talk to the prophets and sometimes other leaders, but it wasn't that they were actually really filled with the Spirit. As far as I know, this is me. You're all in my living room, remember? We're all studying together. I didn't think that, and so that really struck me. I thought, okay, before he's even born, the Holy Spirit is filling this baby, John. Now, this is John the Baptist we're talking about, by the way. John the Baptist who proclaimed the Messiah coming. Remember, his whole life was about proclaiming the Messiah, all the way up until Jesus' ministry. So this is John the Baptist that we're talking about. So God says, I'm going to fill him with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. So don't forget that line. He'll bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, which I just told you about. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So that was John's, John the Baptist's whole life. If you study him, it's so fascinating. His whole life from from, looks like from in the womb, all the way to his death, he proclaimed who the Messiah was. Pretty amazing. And Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man. My wife is well along in years, which was very kind. He didn't say my wife is flipping old. No, he didn't say that. My wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. Isn't that cool? I stand. It's like, if I had a low voice, I stand in the presence of God. You know, that's how I picture it. Kind of like, dude, I just came from the guy and he's saying you're having a baby. Are you questioning me? That's kind of how I get that feeling when he says that. And I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. I have to tell you guys, that was a major check in my heart when I read that. I thought to myself, I wonder how many times God is saying, I will do this. And my unbelief um, grieves him. He probably wants to mute me. And 
I just, I, I had just had that check, you know. Again, we're in my living room, so I'll tell you that. Um, but I feel like if he was speaking to me, and this is God of the universe, and he says, I'm going to do this, um, and I say, really? You know, do you guys ever do that? I hope you do, because I don't want to be the only one. But that's what I thought when I read that. So then it says, meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering, why he stayed so long in the temple? Come on, you usually go in, you pray, you come out. And when he came out, he couldn't speak to them, and they realized, they all realized something happened just by what he was doing and the change in him. And they realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them but remained unable to speak. Okay, so I skipped the verses where she gets pregnant. And if, if, if you want to read that, it's just a few verses. And if you don't know how that works, you can talk to Troy after. So she gets pregnant, okay? And Elizabeth is pregnant. And in the sixth month, this is very important, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the same angel, the same angel. There's not really time in heaven as far as I know. And, and I, it just doesn't work the same as we do. So we think, oh, six months, that's a long time, but really it probably isn't. And so the angel comes back, and then God says, hey, go tell Mary. She's going to have a baby. It's so cool. Can't you just see, like, the building of what's happening? We're, we're, we're gaining momentum. In heaven, they're all prepared. They cannot wait for the Messiah to be on earth because you know what that does? That connects us again. It's all part of that love story. He sent his, his son to be the Messiah because he longs to be connected to us. That's a love story. This isn't just a story we're reading. This is God saying, I so long to re-walk with you. I want to walk with you like I walked in the garden with you. I want to be connected to you. I want to be connected to you. Here, in 2015, I want to be connected to you. That's what he's saying when he talks about the Messiah. And so he sends this angel to now Mary, and he says, um, he goes, the angel goes to her and says, greetings, you are highly favored, and the Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, you've found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he'll reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. And then Mary says, how will this be? I am a virgin. She doesn't understand. How is this going to work out? Kind of repeating a little bit of, right? A little repeat, and I'm sure Gabriel is like, come on, you know? And the angel says, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. It's the dance, you know, and I think, I think we all wonder, how on earth did that happen? I mean, just crazy. But then when you think about the God of the universe, <laughs> it's not hard for him. He created man, so he could probably send his son to be in Mary's womb, right? I mean, he is the God of the universe. So when I ask that question, that's always where I land. Like, oh my goodness, the God of the universe who created all of us, he probably could do that. And so I think about the dance of that, and I think about how in creation it talks about, let us make man in our image. It was that dance. All of a sudden, Old Testament, we're in Luke, New Testament, the dance again. All three are present. Do you see it? 
the Holy Spirit, the Father, the Most High, and now this baby, all wrapped up. Anne Voskamp writes it this way. I think this is where it is. Yes, the creator who cups the ocean depths in the hollow of his hand, think about that, folds himself into amniotic fluid and grows bones that ache like yours. Please, please let that sink in. Because when you think about that, you have to know that that is the creator of our universe coming down to be with his people again, to walk with us again, to be with the creation he longs to be connected to. There's such a beautiful love story to that. So we'll continue. At that time, Mary got ready, hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Elizabeth, I'm here! When Elizabeth hears Mary's greeting, this is what happens. The baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Why did the baby leap in the womb? Do you remember way back in that verse? Why? Why? Because John was filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. When Elizabeth turns and sees Mary, Mary isn't saying, hey, by the way, I'm pregnant, and I'm not quite sure how that all worked out, and I think it might be the Messiah. She doesn't say anything yet. Elizabeth actually turns, and the baby leaps in her womb because I I truly believe the dance of the Holy Spirit and the dance of the Son, and the dance of the Father. The Holy Spirit recognizes the Messiah. They, the, you know, you hug. So the pregnant, six months, and Mary, who's newly pregnant, and it's almost as if the Holy Spirit is like, I can't wait. We're on the verge of a party. You know what I mean? And so it's like announcing. It's announcing. Why did Luke include this? Because we need to understand that this was not just a baby. That this wasn't a, oh yeah, could you go save those people? I'm so sick and tired of their sin. It was like, I am coming. I am coming. So she, she expresses, she's filled with the Holy Spirit and she expresses what she's feeling. So she says in a loud voice, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear but why am i so favored that the mother of my lord the mother of my lord she already knows it's the messiah should come to me as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears the baby in my womb leapt for joy blessed is she who has believed that the lord would fulfill his promises to her So when I think about what is next, right? So what is the spirit of Christmas? What are we, what would we say the spirit of Christmas is? Um, so when I think about this story and I think about the dance of the Trinity and what does that mean for us now? We're in 2015, right? And when I think about the spirit being already in John, to me that was such a picture of what it was like, now, Messiah, here we are in the, the, the sequel, right? We live in the sequel. What does that look like? So after Jesus' ministry, do you know what he did? He said, I'm going to send someone greater than I. I will send the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to live in you. Oh, my goodness. 
We have that spirit if we have chosen to have Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. If that's a decision you've made, he's put that deposit of the Holy Spirit on your life. I kind of want you to understand the gravity of that. Like we are filled with that same spirit that made that baby inside of her leap with joy. The same spirit that when she saw Mary, she shouted that I am in the presence of my Lord. That was the Holy Spirit in her speaking. So when I think about the Holy Spirit being inside of me or inside of you, I think, oh my goodness, the power. It says the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. That makes me excited and nervous and a little bit scared. And I also think, well, why am, am I holding back the Spirit in my life? Am I afraid to share it? Why don't I cry out to people saying the Messiah came? Why at Christmas do I miss that opportunity? Would my story be in Luke 1? You know, am I testifying of the Messiah? And I'm asking you that. So I'll have the band or whoever come up while I finish up here. But there's another verse. It says in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. That's a heavy load, but a good one because you don't have to do it yourself. The Holy Spirit is promised to us. He will speak through us. When the time comes for you to speak about the Messiah, don't be afraid. Be a witness to everyone you run into. In this Christmas season, we all, we all get caught up in, in getting gifts and making sure we have the food and making sure we've invited all the people that are supposed to come to our house, making sure we, you know, check the weather and, you know, naming all these things that are on my list, but I'm sure you've got your own list. But I think, oh, don't miss it. When we talk about the spirit of Christmas, the spirit of Christmas is actually the Holy Spirit in you. The spirit of Christmas is you expressing to somebody else, the Messiah came. He came. Why? Why did he come? Go back. Share the story. Share the prequel. Share it because it's so important for them to understand why do we do Christmas? Why? Because the Messiah came. Because he sent his son. Because he died on the cross for you. Because he can be your savior. And then he sends the Holy Spirit to live in you. And the power of the Holy Spirit, when I read this chapter, I go, whoa, watch out. If our church were to really believe in what the Holy Spirit can do in your life and how it can reflect out to others and be a proclamation, I just think that's very exciting. So as you go to communion, this is my challenge. I want you to go to communion, and I want you just to prayerfully ask God to speak through you. Don't miss the next five days. Don't miss the opportunity to share. We, if you are a believer and you believe Jesus is your Savior, share it with someone. Don't miss it. This is the time to do that. Let me pray for you. Father God, I just thank you so, so much for this story that we read about Zachariah and Elizabeth. Because it's just a reminder that you use normal people like us and you choose normal people like us. And it was all by design to be connected to us. 
God, thank you, thank you, thank you for sending your son. God, I pray for each person in this room that is just struggling with even the idea that you would want to be connected to them. I pray right now that you ease that, that you be that Prince of Peace, that wonderful counselor, the mighty God. God, I pray that they would be drawn to you. I pray for those that are sitting here as believers and who just don't believe that you would want to do anything through and in them. And Father God, I pray that you reignite that spirit in them, that they would be so fervent to look and see where you want them to speak, that if it's someone they're running into in the grocery store, if it's a relative, it's a friend, somebody that they know doesn't know about you, that they would feel compelled to share about you, that they would proclaim about you. And so, Father, this Christmas, as we celebrate the fact that you sent your son, that we celebrate the birth, that, God, we'd be reminded that we are voice box for your Holy Spirit. And so, Father, I pray for our church. I pray for what's coming this week, and I pray for those that don't know you yet, that they would hear the word, that they would come to know you. I ask this all in your name. Amen.